in this morning, our scripture is from Romans 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Amen. Hey, let's pray together. Father, thanks for our time together, for uh, the blessing of gathering as your people um, on your holy day to, to sing praises, to hear your word, to bless one another, to pray together. Um, and as we consider community this morning, as we consider living out Romans 12, um, Father, we confess that, as we did in the prayer confession, how difficult it is to truly love the people around us, to care as deeply for their well-being as our own. And as we pray together in our prayer confession, we pray that you would teach us wholeheartedly heartily to love one another by your Spirit. Um, Holy Spirit, open our hearts together this morning um, and bless our time as we seek what you have to say to us in your word. Amen. I mean, well, thanks for gathering together this morning. Um, so this year I read a book called Moonwalking with Einstein. Has anybody read the book before? No? Okay, that's fine. Uh, well, you're about to learn about it. So it is about using an ancient memory technique uh, called the Mind Palace to enhance your memory. Um, if the Mind Palace sounds familiar, it is because you probably saw it on BBC's Sherlock Holmes. Um, it, is, it is the technique that Sherlock himself, Benedict Cumberbatch, uses to, to, remember, to recall facts and figures and places. Um, and so if Sherlock uses it, you know it's legit. Um, this is how it works. Okay, so say you said to yourself, I want to pick up milk and bread on, on my way home from work at the store. You could do a couple things. You could say, okay, I'll just remember it. I'll make a mental note. Milk and bread. Or you could do something like this. You imagine that you are in your childhood home. You walk through the door and you head for the living room. In the living room, there is the bunny bread bunny swimming in a kiddie pool full of milk in your childhood living room. And then, so you have that image in your head, hard to forget. When it's time to go to the store in a few hours, instead of having to remember, oh shoot, what did I, what did I, was I gonna get from the store? All you have to do, close your eyes, walk into your childhood home, and you can't miss it, the bunny bread bunny is jumping off the couch into the pool of, of milk, and you say, oh yeah, milk and bread, boom, done. You'll never forget anything again in your life. Why does it work? Why does the mind palace work? It's because we are spatial beings. Um, our bodies, they're hard-coded uh, to experience life in a defined space, and then to have our memories and our experiences linked to a specific place and time. Um, this week we're continuing our series on membership, which we're calling A Place to Belong, and today we're going to be focusing on loving one another and genuine community. And you might ask, uh, what is genuine community and mind palaces and bunnies and a kiddie pool full of milk have to do with each other? I'm glad you asked. Um, the mind palace proves how significant time and space are to us in remembering and even experiencing life. 
And so therefore, together, um, as we gather together in a time and space, it's one of those key elements that we need to experience community together. That, along with the Romans 12 passage that we just read, leads us to this. To be genuine Christian communities, we must joyfully devote ourselves to one another in love and suffering and prayer. I'll say that again. To be genuine Christian communities, we must joyfully devote ourselves to one another in love, suffering, and prayer. So this morning, we're going to be focusing mostly on the internal life of the church, the, the commu- our, specifically our community groups and our corporate gatherings. Um, if you are not a part of a group um, or yet to join a group, or you are new here, you're just visiting, uh, this message is specifically and maybe as much for you as it is for everyone else because I hope to paint a picture of the life with Christ that we are trying to cultivate together here. Um, So last week Jeremy uh, covered loneliness and how it's an epidemic in our culture. It's more dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Uh, It's just as much of a public health risk as obesity itself. it's pervasive in our life. There's actually a, there's a joke, too, that the hardest thing to believe about the Bible, it's not the miracles, but it's that Jesus had 12 close friends in his 30s. And it's, and it's partially true. Um, it's unbelievable to the world around us that real community is actually possible, that this biblical community is possible. Um, so in order to experience that kind of community, we have to depart from the thinking of the world that we've inherited and that has led us to such lonely lives and pursue what life with Christ demands from us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Christian community is not an ideal we have to realize, but rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate, a reality that we can participate in. So this means that if we're redeemed by Christ, we have to actively step into that reality that God has created for us. If you look back in our passage in Romans 12, verse 10, Paul says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That is, to create genuine community, first we must joyfully devote ourselves to one another. I think that probably the leading factor in the loneliness epidemic in America is the radical individualism, that radical individualism that is so ingrained in our culture. It's easy uh, to sit here and just blame technology and say, oh, it's TV or it's social media or it's, or it's whatever it is, that blame that on our loneliness. But I think that those things really only pour fuel on the fire that was already burning deep within our souls. It's that fire of the radical individualist that says, I belong to myself and no one else. Only I can determine my future. No person or organization can ever have a stake in any part of me. And this is the way of thinking that causes us to flow in and out of social groups, um, to resist receiving help from others, or to refuse to hear criticism from the people even that are closest to us. But Romans says that we shouldn't think of ourselves so highly. Instead, Paul says that we actually belong to one another. We just don't belong to ourselves. And it's, that view is not really a loss of your personal identity, but it's a shift away from always thinking of yourself first. And 
in that vein then, to devote yourself to a community of people means to know and to be known. To know another and to be known by another. Genuine community is not knowing of someone. That's what you get on Instagram, right? You know of their life. You know of the sunsets and their idyllic vacations and their cute baby slash dog. But you can know of the ideal version of someone and actually never genuinely know them and, and, and definitely never be known by them. And so this is why in community groups, we actually spend a significant portion of our time talking about our lives over meals or, or we're sharing life updates in discussions. We don't do this on accident. We don't ask, we do this so we can ask each other deeper questions about how we're doing um, because we all know, need to know and be known on this level. Um, we actually, and we, we talk about that a lot, how much you need community. And we, we, we talk about the individual's need for community here, which is a, a definitely um, a big part of it. But we can't also forget how much the community needs you. For seven beautiful seasons, Steve Carell played Michael Scott on The Office. One of the most, one of the best comedies ever, uh, the most successful comedies ever, and it is actually still the most watched show on Netflix, even though it went off the air six years ago. But as many of you may know, Steve Carell left The Office after seven seasons, um, and every fan knows that it was not the same after he was gone. Sure, they like kept on going for two more seasons, and it was okay, but the magic, it just wasn't the same. I think that Christian community and your involvement is sort of like that. Um, one might say that you are the Michael Scott of your community group. Um, when someone chooses not to participate, the show goes on, sure, but we are significantly missing what we could be. We're lacking something. And God has created you in a distinct and a unique way with special gifts and experiences that can bless the community as a whole. But to resist community... To go it alone isn't just a disservice to yourself. It actually makes the whole community less than it could be. And furthermore, because we are communal beings, when you devote yourself to a people, that giving of yourself fulfills a deep desire for knowing and being known that we all have. Um, it, it means that devoting yourself to community can be full of joy. I get it. Like Although other people, they are difficult complicated, they're imperfect. Um, I understand that, but we all, you can also know that anyone who has experienced genuine community, they can't deny, despite all of those things, the joy that comes from it. We find joy together when we gather and celebrate a new job. We celebrate a kid's birthday or a graduation. In fact, I would say that we can't experience the full joy of significant life events until we get to share it with those that we love. And we can find joy when, after walking through it together, a member of our group comes out of a dark season. Or we find joy in knowing that there is a people devoted to us, who celebrate when we celebrate, who hurt when we hurt, and who share in our lives together. And this sort of community, because we are spatial beings, as we talked about before, it happens in a physical space. In fact, it's bound up in a physical space. Our joys in life are connected to a time, to a place, and to a people. And we remember them, actually, in the exact same way 
that the mind palace works. So if you enter in your mind palace again, I invite you to recall a joyful experience in your life. Um, a wedding, a graduation, a baby shower, a family Christmas. Um, if you're thinking about that thing, think about how you can smell the shared desserts that you have together. You can hear the laughter. Um, you can actually put yourself in the physical space of your experience. And you can feel the presence of the people that you've shared the most joyful times in your life with. It's because we are supposed to be devoted to a physical space together to experience the joy of community. And so then moving on into our passage from the, the passage to see, to experience the joy in community, we must devote ourselves to one another in love and in suffering and in prayer. So first, love. Paul says in verse 9 of our passage, love must be sincere. Or to put it another way, love has to be genuine. And I think for us, then the opposite of that sincere love in our culture and in our time uh, is one trap that we can fall in is confusing love with niceness. Um, and if we aren't careful, we can confuse politeness and niceties for a sincere love that Paul describes. But listen to 1 Peter 1. It says, that we should love one another deeply from the heart. It's beyond niceties. Love is a deep affection for another. And this type of love is unique, too, because it communicates a greater commitment and a longevity than most of the relationships that we have in our lives. And the genuine community that Paul is describing in chapter 12 that we've been studying for the last few weeks is a devotion to one another, especially in the hard things. It's interesting to watch uh, older couples comment on the love of newlyweds. They can appreciate uh, the love and the passion that they have for each other, but the older couple also has an under understanding that there is going to be a lot of years of testing ahead. Um, in the same way, I think it can be easier for us to honeymoon, if you will, in our relationships in the church. Uh, we focus on the pleasantries, um, we talk about how much we kind of like the surface level of each other, but we never actually step into hard things together. But walking with and choosing then someone maybe who needs a little bit of extra grace, choosing to love them, or maybe if you sacrifice for someone in need, um, that is when we start to actually express the genuine, committed, devoted, communal love for each other that Paul describes. And even, I would say, those are kind of extreme examples, but on a more mundane level, that means that we listen to life updates during group in our discussion times, and we participate together in the rhythms of life. Sincere love in community means that we take interest in the less spectacular parts of another's life because we have a deep devotion and care for that person. And so love is devotion. And, and, and next, we also see that sincere love means that we speak encouraging words to one another in, the, in both the celebratory, the things we're celebrating times in life, and also the hard seasons of life. Paul says in Galatians 6, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We speak good things to one another that are encouraging, that are life-giving, that recognize the good gifts that God has given his children. 
Um, and that means that we actively seek out ways to encourage one another in our church and in our groups. Um, like, think about the last time that you pointed out an evidence of God's grace uh, to someone in your com community group and how encouraging it was to both them and to you to, to point out but what God is doing in them. And this is what Paul actually calls us to do on a regular basis with one another. Listen to what else he says in Galatians 6. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone, is caught, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may be tempted. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so we speak the hard things, too, that confront sin, and they refocus our lives. It is not genuine love like our passage commands. If we only speak positive words that never address the brokenness and sin uh, that is present inside each one of us. We speak truths to each other that point out sin and, and blind spots, but we do so in love and humility to one another. And we do so too with an immense amount of patience and grace. Depending on which side of the horse that you fall off of and and your personality types, you either love the speaking truth at, truth at someone or doing so with immense amounts of patience and grace. And this is why we need each other, because we both need to speak truths to one another in the hard things, but also do so with patience and grace and committed love and longevity. And even if we aren't confronting sin, right? Even, even if, um, let's say we speak to one another um, in the hard things it means that we're engaging in conversations that go below the surface. For example, maybe someone in your group shares that they are struggling with something, and what speaking into the hard things means is calling them the next day to check up on them and ask how it's going. Or for example, if you know a couple hasn't been on a date in a long time, that you offer to watch their kids so that they can spend time together. Because we don't even just speak truths to each other, we engage in life together, and we pick up each other's burdens. Again, 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. In Galatians, he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. I don't need to tell you that hard things don't just come from sin that need confronting. Uh, much of the heaviest suffering in life, actually, comes when we least expect it, and for what seems like no reason at all. Um, and and I'll say that if you do not have genuine community that's devoted to you in love, those burdens of suffering can be even heavier because there's fewer people to carry the load. Um, this is why our community groups, they're more than just a Bible study. It's more than just a happy gathering. We suffer together. We weep together. We carry each other's burdens in the same way that Jesus carries our burdens for us. And in fact, when Jesus promises to carry our burdens, to give, for, he tells us to give us his burdens. I think that the way that he plays that out the most in life is actually the church, you, his body, carrying the burdens of his people. It is through the body of Christ that, that he fulfills his promise to carry our burdens. And so when Paul says in verse 12, to be patient in suffering, to be patient in affliction, I think that's only possible with the kind of genuine community that we're discussing. And I'll say too that much of the time, Carrying each other's burdens means not speaking at all. But giving your presence without words, which requires patience and love on the part of the church. 
that we are there without speaking, but we, we give of ourselves and our presence and time. And then when it is the t- right time to speak, to speak gospel truth to someone during a season of hardship, it can be both a sweet and a difficult thing. Um, but when we, being sensitive to the Spirit, give an encouraging word to a suffering brother or sister, it can shine at least a little bit of light into the darkness. Um, this year, um, in my in Allison and I's life, um, there were a number of difficult seasons. Um, and in those seasons, the, the members from our community group gave us a number of timely words of encouragement from the Lord. Um, in line with their gifts, they spoke truths over us. Um, they spoke encouragement over us. They reminded us of gospel truths. They prayed for us, and they cried with us. Um, on a number of specific occasions, members of our group in times of prayer or discussion that filled with love, led by the Spirit, in agreement with the, the rest of the group, they even spoke words from the Lord over us that in our season of, of loss, of emptiness, of wandering, um, of suffering, that reminded us of the Father's deep love for his children in a way that was poignant um, and powerful and encouraging. Um, they embodied the love of our good Father for us. And I don't know how we would have made it through these seasons, um, such a difficult season, without the sweet friends in our group. Um, genuine community, it makes the suffering just a little bit more bearable because when you're crushed by maybe, you feel like you're crushed by the weight of like darkness or suffering or affliction, even just a little bit of help in lifting that weight can give you a little bit of light, a little bit of hope, a little bit of patience to continue walking through that dark season. And also, I want to say that suffering well together also means accepting the help. You give grace to your people while you're suffering, and you receive what the Lord is giving you through them. I know that there are times when the helping actually feels like it hurts, and it does hurt. Um, Or you say and know that the help that you're getting isn't the help that you wanted. Um, And we've all experienced that. But I encourage you to receive what the Lord is giving you through his people, even if you don't want their help. And and, And we know from Scripture and through experience that the more that you let them in, the more that you receive Uh, the ways that they are trying to bless you, the better they will become at bringing hope and patience to you in your suffering. So love and suffering and finally, prayer. Paul commands us, be faithful in prayer. It's interesting, when Jesus teaches on the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels, he uses pronouns like we, us, our. Uh, Jesus calls us actually to be faithful in prayer with each other. Um, When we gather together as a community, uh, like in congregational prayer like we just did, or together as community groups, uh, we do so to commune with God, to be with God together. You could envision we approach the throne of the Father together as his children to bring requests for each other and for our communities. 
And we don't have to do it alone. I would say, in fact, that if your prayer life consists of only private prayer, that you're missing out and there's something more to experience. Um, when we pray together, we teach each other then how to pray as well. My wife's grandmother, Sandy, is what my, you might call a prayer warrior. She's the lady that you want praying for you. Um, she's praying all the time. She has prayed even for this church faithfully for years, although many of you have never met her. And I know that we have been blessed specifically by her prayers. And Sandy once told us a story about when she joined a new church. Um, she went to a Bible study and she offered to pray at the end of the Bible study. And the other ladies that were there weren't sure what to do because they had never prayed together as a group. But they said, okay, go ahead. And afterwards they told her, they said, we've never heard someone pray like that. It was actually, it was really something. Um, and what, what Sandy was doing, she was teaching them how to pray through her example. And it's important in our groups and in our gatherings for us to engage in communal prayer together because it builds us up by teaching us different ways to pray. Like no matter your spiritual history or your newness to the faith, we all learn from each other when we pray together. We need it. And so then when we gather together as a community, it's important that we spend time also praying with each other and for each other. Praying for each other, too, um, is, a, is an important way that we care for one, another, for one another and we express genuine love. And so that's why in our groups that we spend a significant time, sh amount of time sharing prayer requests and then also spending time praying for those requests specifically. As a final point of prayer, uh, I want to encourage you to let you know that, um, that your community group leaders and your pastors are praying for you faithfully. Um, they, they have a deep love and devotion for you and a commitment to you, which, which leads them to pray for you as a people on a regular basis. I know that you are being blessed by their prayers. So love, suffering, and prayer is how, is how we devote ourselves to one another in genuine community. As we wrap up, um, I want us to see that Paul is calling us to be faithful. He tells us specifically to be faithful because he knows that devoted commitment to a time and a people and a place, it is not an easy thing to do. It's pretty difficult. And we here at Trinity do not take lightly the truth that many of you have been let down by other communities. Um, you've been let down by your family, by your friends, maybe by other churches, or even by people within this community itself. We don't take that lightly. But my prayer is that you would work with us to joyfully devote ourselves to one another in love and in suffering and prayer. It's a worthwhile pursuit because you were made to be part of genuine community. And the community needs you to be the full body of Christ that we were made to be. And to do this, we need to be around each other, right? That is why we must share physical space to experience the joy of community. We are spatial beings. We can't just listen to sermons 
on our podcast app or read good books in the Bible and then pray by ourselves and experience the full joy of community that God has intended for us. It's impossible. We must share time and space and life together. That's why Paul tells us in Hebrews, don't give up gathering together because being in a shared time and space is essential for creating genuine community. And so that's also why we intentionally meet in the same or same times and places like a home and we gather on a regular basis. It's not just for logistical reasons, um, who has the biggest living room, but it's also that our community groups can be devoted to and associated with times and spaces uh, for people to share in their joys and in their hardships of life together. That's our vision here. Um, It's what we desire for you and, and it is what the Lord desires for you as well. If you are hesitant to to step deeper into community, please hear that the Lord waits to be gracious to you. He longs to show you the fuller life that you can have in Christ's community. Know that right now his grace is already extended to you in Jesus for you to belong in him and for you to fully know the identity that you have in Christ, but we also know that there is much more, there's always much more that we can experience in Christ. And for those of you who are are hesitant or hurt or not sure how to step into community, know that the Lord is inviting you, he's calling you, he's he's wooing you into, um, into a community and life together that Paul describes in Romans 12. And that actually truth is for all of us here, right? I know that there are a million things that keep us from faithfully devoting ourselves to one another in both a time and a place and in genuine love. But Jesus calls us to step deeper into life with imperfect people and to devote yourselves to one another in Christ. Because he wants you, he wants everyone here, he wants our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers to experience the joy that comes from devoting ourselves to one another in sincere love. He longs for that for you and invites you to step deeper and deeper into the life that he has planned for you. Would you join me in prayer?